Good morning. Ah, oh, come on, you can do better than that. Good morning. All right, come on. I had the 8.30 crowd already. They were like, oh my gosh, somebody wake them up, would you please? 8.30 is a little early for some of them. So good morning, Faith Baptist Church. There we go. That's good. I like it. It's okay, right? Participate. We're good to go. It's, I got I to gotta tell you this. It's dark back there when the lights are off. And <laughs> I was just coming around and Mark was leaving with his bass. His bass guitar hit me right in the forehead. The end of it. <laughs> I walked right into that thing. That's just funny. I don't care who you are. It's so good to see you, and I'm so glad that you're here. Let me encourage you with this. Uh, is it good to be a church? Yeah, and, and it's so good to be together. But you know, there's a lot of people that need this, and they really don't know that they need this. So let me encourage you. Uh, I know in February, January and February, we were really encouraging, and, and we were doing good at, at inviting others to come with us. What a great time to do it now, as always. A simple invitation can simply change a life. People are looking for the hope that we have. People are looking for... For some, some other answers, they had put their hope and their faith and their trust in things that, that are changing on them, and, and their world has been wrecked right now. So let me encourage you and me, uh, invite some people to come to church during this time. Invite them to come with you. I know you can't have them sit with you per se. They can sit on the same row. You know, you can give them the hair, hair high five or whatever you want to do. But, but it, uh, simply invite some people to come with you. Uh, take time to do that. I encourage you to uh, so we can reach some more people. We had one except Christ in the 830 service as their Savior. That's exciting, isn't it? Yes. And so uh, God is moving. God's blessing. Let's continue to reach out and live by faith as Faith Baptist Church. God has created every one of us with this desire, this need to have hope in our lives. A person without hope is truly a person in despair. Uh, without hope, we just give up. Without hope, uh, we have nothing to really look forward to or to live for. Uh, hope gives us everything. I read a story about a uh, group of soldiers that were in a foxhole, and they were under fire, and against them was overwhelming odds. And they, they were not going to last long. They had, the enemy had more firepower. They had more soldiers. And it was just a matter of time before they succumbed just by the overwhelming odds. And hope was, they were losing hope in that foxhole. And, and they, were, they were trying to hang on and they were fighting the best they could. But, but pretty soon despair set in. But then the call came over the radio and, and their commander told them, he said, look, if y'all could just hang on, just hang on a little bit longer. Reinforcements are on the way. Now, can you imagine being in that situation and thinking, you know, there's no way we can defeat this enemy. If this thing just continues the way it is. I'm going to die. It's just not, we're not going to make it. None of us are. But to get that call, that reinforcements on the way, can you feel that, just that energy boost? Just that morale. Say, come on, guys, we can do this. We can hang on. Fight a little harder. Courage would set in a little bit more. And that's what hope does for us. And that is what faith in God should do for us. It gives us hope. So what do you do when life stops working the way you expected it to work? Where do you go? Where do you turn? Who do you turn to? I said last week, a faith that doesn't work when life doesn't work is worthless. That kind of faith is of no use to anybody. See, I want us, I want, I want to have, and I want you to have, I want us to have a, a deeper faith than one that just trusts in the things of the world. 
I want us to have a faith that, that brings us joy no matter what the world is throwing at us. I want us to have a faith that, that brings joy no matter what's happening. A practical faith that actually works when life doesn't work, when life doesn't go as expected. That's when our, our faith should give us that hope that we need and a purpose and a significance and, yes, even happiness in the middle of a crisis. That's the kind of faith we need, and that's the kind of faith that the Bible teaches so last week I shared some truths with you as a foundation for this series. And let me give them to you again as a reminder because they're foundational. One is we can't believe everything we hear. We have to rely on the truth of God's word. We cannot believe everything we hear. To have the kind of faith the Bible teaches, we have to rely on the word of God. Second thing was we live in a broken world. Right? If, if we expect this world to be perfect, we're going to constantly be let down. If our hope and our faith is in, in a perfect world, it's not going to happen. Right? We live in a broken world. And then I talked about how we need to focus on what's unchanging, not things that can change. And the only thing that's unchanging is God. We need to keep our focus on him. We talked about how God has a great plan. We, we don't understand it. He doesn't show us his whole plan. He usually shows us one step at a time. If you're, if you're blessed, maybe two. But that's about it. But God has a great plan. And then God wants to use this time to use us to help others. Okay, so all of those truths are foundations for our faith. Now, I know, I know, folks, it's easy to stand up here and preach on faith, right? I could do it for hours. I'm not going to, amen? But we, I could stand up here and preach about faith for hours. I, I know we could talk about living by faith. I know we understand that we need to trust God. But there's a difference in understanding and talking and preaching and teaching about it and walking out of here and living by it. There's a huge difference. And part of the reason that it's, it can be difficult is because of the way that God has wired us. God has created us. You see, when a crisis comes into our life, whether it's a virus, crash of the oil market, whether it's a death of a loved one, whatever it is, whenever a crisis or trauma hits us, we all react the same way because we've all been created the same way. So what I want to do quickly is I want to recognize some phases that we go through uh, when trauma hits or crisis come along. I want, to, I want to give you the phases that we tend to go through uh, to get to the end one, but I want to do this and I want you, as I'm going through this, to recognize if you've been there if you already went through this phase, or maybe you're there right now. So the first phase that I want to talk about quickly this morning is this. It's the first, it's called denial, right? You probably experienced this as the first announcement of this virus or in February when the oil began to drop, right? There were those who were saying, not my problem, especially with the virus. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I first heard about it, I thought, that's in China. We live in Artesia. We're in a bubble. That's not going to affect us here. I mean, life's going to go on. In my mind, and maybe in yours too, there was a denial that this could actually affect us. And that's the first phase that happens. We hear about something, or a crisis happens, or trauma comes, and we deny it. It's not, it's not really happening, right? Or it couldn't affect us. Phase two is this, dismissal. You move from denial to even if this is real, it's no big deal. I mean, again, it's like, okay, it's a virus. How bad could it be? A couple of weeks, we get past it, we get over it, and we go on. It won't last forever, so we kind of dismiss it as important. Phase three is defiance. Now, I don't know about you, but I go in and out of this one right now. I know they're telling us things we need to do, but I refuse to let this virus, I refuse to let this crisis, this trauma uh, affect my life that much, right? I'm just not going to do it. I'm healthy. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'll stay at home for a little bit, but you can't tell me how long to stay at home, 
right? I mean, you know, you just can't do it. And, and, you know, social distancing, that's fine. I'll follow some of it when I want to. I mean, uh, you know, and who I want to, that's what I'll do. You want me to wear a stinking mask? <laughs> I don't know, you know. I mean, I look across there, and some of you have them on. That's great. But, right, we get into this defiance act, and, and I'll tell you right now, I haven't done it yet, and I probably won't ever do it, and I can ask God for forgiveness. This is a sin. I'm not sure it is. But I'm not following the stinking arrows in Walmart. How about you? <laughs> I'm not doing it, you know. And, you know, part of the reason I'm not doing it is because nobody else is doing it. I'm following the crowd. I mean, I start to follow it, and everybody else is going the wrong way. And I'm thinking, why am I? Don't, you know? No, I never did try to follow them. Not at all. But we go from denial to dismissal to defiance. And then that leads us to a delayed acceptance. Right? This is where a lot of people, a lot of us ride probably late March, 1st of April, uh, that, you know, maybe this is more serious than I thought. Maybe this is going to affect my family more than I thought. Maybe I do need to be careful because I don't want to be one that spreads this or does something like that. So we, we started to accept a little bit, but it was delayed. And that takes us to phase five, and that's disruption. We're all in this phase now. And we're going to be here for a while. Our lives, for somewhat, have been turned upside down. Right? During this phase, you start saying, you know, I'm going to have to make some tough choices. I denied it. I didn't think it would affect us here. I didn't think it was a big deal. And it, I still don't know that it's that big a deal, but it's certainly affecting us. And it's affected our livelihood. It's affected our jobs. It's affected our community. It's affected our economy. It's affected everything. And so we go to this this phase of disruption, right? We, we realized that, that school's out and the kids aren't going back. Reality set in. And then we realized that, you know, there are financial difficulties and relational difficulties and priorities and choices to make. Our whole life has been disrupted to an extent. That's phase five. Phase six is this, distress. Because when we realize the disruption and how it actually is affecting us, that can lead to this phase of distress, that's when it begins to dawn on you and on me that this mess is going to be here for a while, right? I mean, it's not going away quickly. I, we would love it to. I thought it was at first, but it's going to be here for a while. That's just the truth. And, and that brings in some, some distress and the economic repercussions that we're facing because of this. And, and the, the oil market, not, not, it's not going to just rebound in a month. It's not happening. It's going to be here. It's going to last a long time. But all six of those phases should lead us to the last one. And the last phase, phase seven, is that of determination. In this phase, as a Christian, as a believer, you begin to think that with God's grace, we're going to get through this. Amen? Uh, if I have faith in God, I, I, can, I, I move back and forth between the other six at times, but I can't stay there. My faith in God, believing that he is God, and the foundations we talked about takes me to the determination that God's in control, that God has this, he has a plan, it's my job to get in the middle of the plan, not to try to fix everything. See, faith in God gives us determination, just like you're in a foxhole and hearing about the reinforcements coming, gives you that hope, gives you that burst of energy, gives you that courage, gives you that hope. That's what faith should do for us. It should give us the determination to honor God in and through this, to live for him no matter what. See, in every phase, we need faith, no doubt about it. Faith in God is hope in God. 
And we need a faith that no matter what the world throws at us, we have a relationship with him that the world cannot take from us. It can't happen. See, hope makes us determined. And faith gives us hope. The goal is to get to the determination phase as quickly and healthily as possible and continue to go back there as the world wants us to live in the other six. So where are you this morning? What phase are you in? Some of you walked in today, you're looking for some hope. You're looking for something different. I mean, your hope was in some other things and those have been stripped away. Some of you come in today and, and you're, you're strong and you're faithful and you just want your faith encouraged. What, what, what phase are you in today? Where are you? See, we're going to take a look today at decisions. And I want to take a look at this because life is a series of choices. Life is a series of decisions. Every day, you and I have to analyze. We have to evaluate. We have to draw conclusions. See, we make choices, and then our choices make us. Now, if you're parenting, this is really good parenting advice for your kids, right? You've probably used this. You make your choices, but you got to live with them. This is your choice to make, but you have to live with the choice you make. How many parents have said that, right? Something like that. Yeah, we have. But you know what's true for us as parents also and grandparents? We make our choices, and then our choices make us. That's just life. So how do we make godly choices during the tough times? How do we make godly, tough choices? How do we know it's the, the choice that God wants us to make? Well, let me define a tough choice, first of all. I'm not talking about one decision. I have this one decision to make, and it's a tough choice. That's not what I'm, just, I'm going to talk about today. Defining, I'm going to define it by this today. A tough choice means none of the options are obviously more favorable than the other. None of the options are more favorable than the other. You're faced with two good options. They're both good. Which one do you choose? How do you know which one to choose? Or you're faced with two difficult decisions. Whichever way you go is going to be painful. How do you make that decision? How do you know it's the right decision? So, James chapter 1 today. If you haven't turned there, go ahead and join me in James chapter 1. Uh, we started last week, just again with foundation. Told you I was going to go to the book of James. Five chapters, right? It's not that long. It's 108 verses. Uh, I encourage you to read it. We're going to walk through part of chapter 1 today to hopefully answer this question. How do we make godly tough choices during a crisis? How do we know we're making the right choice? James chapter 1 and verse 1 the Word of God says, James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Now, let's just stop right there. Let me remind us, to the 12 tribes, the Jewish tribes, God's people who were scattered abroad, they were being scattered because of their faith in God. This whole series is about faith, living in faith, walking in faith. And so God's people had faith in him, and because of their faith, they were being persecuted. And because of that persecution, they were having to run. They were having to, to go to different places, and it scattered them. So they were scattered abroad. Verse 3, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete Lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let 
Not that man supposed that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Father, we come once again today, and I pray that you'd speak to us as only you can. As we gather here today to worship, to sing, to give, to hear, to receive your word, your your preaching today, God, we want it to be from you. So Holy Spirit, just move among us as only you can. It's good to be together and, and let us rejoice in that. But we also have a purpose for being here uh, of hearing what you have for us. So challenge us today as only you can. May we be found faithful in your sight. And may we hear some things today and be challenged today to, to increase our faith to live more by faith, to walk more by faith in you. So God, I ask you to do those things inside of each one of us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, it's interesting as God has James, the Holy Spirit, speaking to James to write to these 12 tribes. Put yourself in a situation. These 12 tribes, 12 tribes have been scattered Right? They're, they're, some of them are running for their lives. This was not a matter, and I don't mean to downplay it. It wasn't a matter of them missing a, a paycheck. It wasn't a matter of them just not knowing what's going to happen for the next few weeks. Their life was on the line. They were running for their lives. They were being martyred for the cause of Christ if they were found or if they were caught. And so that's pretty serious. It's really serious. And James, you know, God has James write to them, and he doesn't say, keep running. <laughs> Here's another place to hide. Go here, and they can't find you there. That's not what he jumps in and says in, in James chapter 1. He, he immediately jumps in and encourages them and said, listen, you need to count it all joy when your faith is tried by the various trials that are going on. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's the first thing God tells them. Count it all joy when your faith is tried. And then he, gives, he jumps into, and he says, look, and you need to ask for wisdom, which is my first point today. If we want to make the right tough choices, the right godly choices, when we don't know what the clear choice is, the first thing is this, we need God's wisdom. That's what they needed most, and it's still what we need most, is God's wisdom. We, when I trust God, when I walk by faith, then having godly wisdom to make the right tough choice is easy. When there is no clear advantage one way or the other, verse 5, look at it. It says, if, if any of you lack wisdom, now are you with me today? And I want you to answer. Stay with me. I lack wisdom. How about you? Anybody else lack wisdom? <laughs> yeah, I'm there. I know this. I know, Robbie, man, I have no wisdom outside of what God gives me. I know that. I'm not that smart. And it starts off and he says, if any of you lack wisdom, so that's us, let him ask of God. When's the last time you asked God for wisdom? When's the last time you stopped and got on your knees before a holy God, the God-changing God, the God that sees everything, the God that has a great plan, the God that, that lives in a perfect place and not a broken world right now? When's the last time you got on your knees and asked him for wisdom? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. He'll give it to every one of us. Every one of us. And it will be given to him. God created us. He knows us. You ready? And he wants us to ask for help. He created us to ask him for help. 
When's the last time you asked God for wisdom? God wants us to ask, and he's ready to give it, and he will give it because it's what we need. We need his wisdom. How do we make tough choices during the tough times? How do we make godly choices during the tough times? We do it with God's wisdom. Proverbs 2, 6 says this, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Who gives wisdom? The Lord does. Now, I don't have time. Again, I I had a paragraph in here about this, but let me just throw this out there very broadly, right? Because it talks about knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and understanding. You can have a lot of knowledge about a lot of things, but without wisdom, it doesn't do you any good. Wisdom and how to use the knowledge, when to use the knowledge, how to apply the knowledge. That's where the wisdom comes in. You can understand a lot of things. You can have a lot of understanding and, and you, can, you can sit in a room full of people and be the smartest person in the room most of the time. But without godly wisdom, it doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do me any good. Proverbs 2, 6, for the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. It all comes from him. And one of the main reasons we don't have God's wisdom, one of the main reasons we don't know how to make godly choices during the tough times is because we have not stopped and asked God for his wisdom, which is what we need the most. To make the right, tough, godly choices, we need God's wisdom. Again, we make choices, and then our choices make us. If I make the choice to ask God for wisdom, then I'm going to make more right decisions down the road because now I have God's wisdom. Did you know the word wisdom appears 227 times in the Word of God? Now think about it, 227 times. 49 of those is in the book of Proverbs. One-fifth of the teaching on wisdom in the Word of God is in Proverbs. That's why I always encourage everyone, read Proverbs. There's 31 of them. Read one, one for one day of the month. And then if there's only 30 days in the month, you know, read two that last day. 49 times, one-fifth of the teaching is the book of Proverbs. I'm not going to read it all today. A couple more verses. Proverbs 3.13 says this, Happy is the man who finds wisdom. You looking for happiness? What do you need? God's wisdom. People all around us are looking for happiness. They're looking for contentment. They're looking for joy. They're looking for some kind of security. And God's word says happiness comes from God's wisdom. We need to ask God for his wisdom. Then the Bible says, Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the... Not another job, not a bigger paycheck, not security in a retirement fund, not this virus to go away. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Now, I'm not the brightest bulb in the box. How about you? So God tells me, Robbie, if you seek after anything in this life, get wisdom. How do I get wisdom? I ask God for it because he gives it out. Liberally, thankfully. Wisdom is more important than money, than fame, than pleasure, than, and, than success. All the things we tend to worry about are not that important. God says wisdom. 
is the most important thing. Now, I know and I'm, I'm sensitive, folks, that there's a lot around us, maybe here today, uh, that are out of work or looking for work or trying to figure out how to pay bills or teaching the kids or everything else life is thrown our way. I, I get that. That's the practical end of walking by faith, walking out of these doors today and living by faith. How do we do that? First of all, we seek God's wisdom. That's what we do. That's what we should do. See, I don't need to look harder for a job. We need to be looking, no doubt about it. But it's not that I need to look harder. I need to pray more and ask God for more wisdom so that when opportunities come, and they will come, I know which one he wants me to choose. I know which direction to go. I know the godly choice. Because if I don't make the godly choice, now I'm going to live with those choices. So the first thing we need to focus on is to live a life of faith and live a life of faith in God by asking him for his wisdom. Ask for his wisdom. And then the second thing I, I think I get from our text here, I get from it is this. We need to make sure God is first. We need to make sure God is first. We need to make him the top priority in our thoughts, our actions, in our schedule, in our money, in our relationships. Right? Psalms 111.10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. See, when I ask God for wisdom, the first step in attaining God's wisdom or him giving me that is to understand again who he is, is to have that reverence for who he is, is to really just sit in awe again of who he is. That's the beginning of wisdom. If I'm not in awe of who God is, if, if I don't fully trust God with faith that, that he has what my best interest to heart and that he's in control and that he has this thing, if I don't fully believe that and comprehend that, I don't have the first step of wisdom. Because the first step, the first beginning to it is understanding of who God is. The result of having God's wisdom is happiness, contentment, success, a good repu reputation, faithfulness, all those things come as a result of God's wisdom. God's wisdom leads to all of that. Look at verse 5 again. In James, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. God needs to be first. He has to be first. So let me encourage us here that when we ask God for wisdom and he begins to give it because he will, because he gives it liberally and it is above reproach, right? He gives it out to anyone and everyone that asks him for it. The temptation here is once he starts to give it, it's become prideful. <laughs> wow, I got some of God's wisdom. Do you hear what I said? Did you listen to what I said? Oh my gosh, that didn't come from me. See, we're, we'll be tempted to get prideful. But let me tell you something. The more wisdom of God that we receive, the more humble we become. Because the more wisdom of God we receive <laughs> reminds us of who we are and who God is. That he's given me this wisdom and it's not because of me. See, true wisdom understands that humility follows wisdom. The more of God's wisdom he gives, the more I truly understand who I am and who he is. And there's no way I can be prideful in that. Zero. Not a chance. The more humble we are, the more we depend on God's wisdom, the more godly choices we're going to make. So be humble. 
Remember the lesson of the well? I read this, reminded of this, right? The well comes up to the top of the water just to, just to give a big blow, right? But when he comes up to do that, that's when they harpoon, harpoon you. So, you know, when you start to just think you're something, <laughs> get ready. Verse 5 tells us to ask God for wisdom because life brings tough choices and we need God's wisdom to walk in faith and trust him to make those right choices. And then the last point this morning is this. When it comes to having faith and making the tough choices, do not doubt God. I can't stress this enough. Do not doubt God. See, what we tend to do, if you're like me, is I will ask God for wisdom. He'll give me some wisdom. A tough choice will be there. I don't know which way to go. I ask God for wisdom. He gives it to me. And then I, I feel like I feel led, right? However you want to put that. The Holy Spirit's leading me. So I make the choice and I feel like it's the godly choice. And then what happens? I begin to doubt God. I begin to doubt that I made the right decision. I begin to doubt that he's going to do what he said he was going to do. I begin to have an idea because I am following God. I asked him for wisdom. It's all about him. It's, it's, you know, I'm walking as humbly as possible, knowing that it's from him. And then the decision's made. And then I doubt because I have a plan. I think, okay, if I make this decision, this is what's going to happen, right? And then it doesn't start happening that way. So I begin to doubt that God actually knows what he's doing and that I made the right choice. You ever been there? And I want you to see this. Do not doubt God. See, the only way to grow your faith in God is to take the steps you've never taken before. The only way to grow your faith in God is to take the steps you've never taken before. James tells the believers here who are being persecuted and scattered to believe that the trying of their faith was good for them. That would have been difficult. Don't you think? It would have been difficult as you're running for your life, searching for food, searching for water, just, just trying to get by, just trying to stay alive. It would have been hard to believe. It would have been tough to believe that God had a purpose and it was trying your faith and you should be joyful in that. Do you think that was difficult? Absolutely it was. But the only way to grow your faith in God is to take the steps you've never taken before. This trial in their life was producing a patience in them, a maturity in them that they would not learn any other way. But just asking God for wisdom and putting God first does not mean we're going to live a life of faith. I must remove the doubts. I must believe that God will do what's best for me as I make the right choices during tough times and then I need to run back to his wisdom again. Do not doubt God. Now, let me ask you a question, and I want your response. Do you believe that this is God's instruction book? Okay. Do you believe as we read this and study it, as it teaches us, we should do our best to follow it? Do you believe that? Okay. See if you agree with this statement from Rick Warren. He said this one time, the only parts of the Bible that we actually truly believe are the parts that we practice. Agree with that? I believe the Bible teaches this, but I'm not going to follow it. Then I don't really believe it. You might say, I, I believe we should do this. Do you do it? No. 
then you don't really believe it. It's tough. We only believe the parts of the Bible that we actually practice. The Bible says I should put God first, I should ask him for wisdom, and I should not doubt him. Look at verse 6 in our text. Once we've asked for wisdom and believe that he's given it to us, it says, but let him ask in what? Say the word. Come on, say it out loud. What is it? Faith. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. It doesn't say a little bit of doubting. It doesn't say every now and then. No doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You say, but Robbie, I have asked God for wisdom. I've gotten on my knees and begged God for wisdom. I understand James chapter 1. And I have asked him and asked him for his wisdom. And I believe he's God. And I'm doing my best to put him first. And and I want to worship him and, and just humbly walk before him. I want to walk by faith and not by sight. I understand the word of God says that without faith it's impossible to please God. I want to be a person of faith and I feel like I'm doing that. I've asked him for the wisdom and he's first in my life. Do you doubt him? Do you doubt that he has your best interest? Do you doubt that what you're going through right now is what's best for you? What's best for your kids? What's best for your family? Do you doubt that? Because the scripture says, let not that man, that woman, that teenager, that child who doubts God, let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. We're in a season of ever-changing winds. With this coronavirus, the winds have changed sometimes by the hour, certainly by the day, and certainly by the week. Right? In in the days and months ahead, things are going to continue to change. Uh, I don't know about you. I don't want to be tossed to and fro. And I have been at times. I'm admitting at times I have, depending on the news report, depending on what I'm being told to do, depending on what they're saying we can and can't do, right? I get tossed to and fro every now and then. Anybody with me on that? But I got to come back to my faith in God. I got to come back to my seeking his wisdom and putting him first. And then this, not doubting him. Just trusting him, resting in that trust. The Greek word there for double-minded literally means to be two-souled, to be pulled in two directions. Have you felt that lately? I have. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. God wants a stable people. God wants his children to be stable, solid, secure, joyful, peaceful, consistent, walking in faith and letting others see that faith in us. Because that's what the world is looking for. That kind of joy and stability and contentment. Don't doubt God. I love verse 25 here in chapter 1. It says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer But a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now get this, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. See, here's the temptation for me and for you. 
is to hear this sermon, hear this message, hear this challenge, to open ourselves up and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Show me what you want me to have today. I want more faith. I want to live by more faith. I want to be more faithful. I understand who you are. I need your wisdom, God. For all of us to to hear this, but there will be some, whether it's me or whether it's you, who walk out of here today not applying any of this. See, to truly change, you have to take steps you've never taken before. That's hard. It's difficult. It's uncomfortable. To be a person of greater faith means greater trust. And verse 25, it says there, don't be a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. So what phase are you in today? Where are you today? When it comes to your faith in God. God's teaching his people during a very difficult time here in James. To allow themselves to be joyful. To prove their faith. To ask him for wisdom. To believe in who he is. And don't doubt him. I like what Germany Kent said about faith. She said this. Let your life reflect the faith you have in God. Fear nothing. Pray about everything. Be strong, trust God's word, and trust the process. Do you trust the process today? Do you trust the process in James chapter 1? Are you following it? Have you stopped in the last few weeks and asked God for his wisdom? Have you been given some godly wisdom from the word of God? And are you applying that to the tough choices you're facing? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Just bow your head and... I want, you, I, I want to remove all distractions. why I want you to bow your head. And I want to ask just a couple of questions in reflection today. I'm not going to preach a sermon again. What phase are you in? Are you in that determined phase? That phase of absolute trust and faith in God? Is that where you are today? Are you in a fearful state? Are you living under distress or You know, your life's been disrupted and you're mad, you're angry, frustrated. I understand. But we need to get to that determined stage, that that faith stage, that, that hope phase of asking God for wisdom and how to make tough choices during these times, of remembering who he is, and then not doubting him. And maybe you're here today and we talk about faith in God. We talk about faith and and you have never, ever trusted Jesus Christ. Put your faith in him as your personal savior. You've never put your faith in Jesus to save you from your sin. To have this relationship with God. We're talking about God's wisdom. We're talking about faith in God. We're talking about living for him, a joy and a peace and contentment. And it's all foreign to you because you've never trusted Jesus Christ by faith to save you from your sins with every head bowed and every eye closed if that's you today I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not going to come to you I just want you to acknowledge to God today say Robbie that's me I need to step out in faith and just accept Christ as Savior nobody else looking around would you just lift your hand up and say that's me Robbie I need by faith thank you for that hand somebody else by faith I've never done that never taken that step somebody else
All right, thank you for acknowledging that today. If you had your hand raised, we want to meet with you and walk you through that out of love for you and to actually take this and live by this kind of faith that's in James to seek God's wisdom and to know you can get it. If you'd rather take your phone and text as soon as we're done, 68878, and put Jesus in there, we'll follow up with you if you want to just respond that way. But for everybody that didn't raise your hand, I trust that you know Christ as Savior. Would you just take a moment, ask God for his wisdom. Acknowledge who he is. He's God and we're not. And then commit to him. Be, be determined. Determined for him to walk by faith. Would you do that? God, we come before you today with humble hearts. We ask for your wisdom. We have no wisdom outside of you. And God, we need your wisdom, especially during times of crisis and traumas and, and difficulties and trouble, everything that's going on. God, we need your wisdom to make the, the godly tough choices, to, to lead and be who you've called us to be. I think everyone here, we, we admire courage in people. We admire a, a steadfastness in people. We admire and we look at others and, and we say, man, I want to be strong like that for God. And God, it starts with asking you for wisdom. So we ask you today, acknowledging who you are. You're God and we're not. And then God, for the doubts that want to creep in, may we push those aside by faith, trusting your word, trusting in the Holy Spirit in our life, that we don't need to doubt you. We just need to trust you and walk by faith. And, and for this one that raised their hand today, God, I pray that they would, I know it's going to be a little scary, a little anxious, a little, it's going to be out of the norm. They need to take a step they've never taken before just to approach one of us after the service and, and let us sit down and, and show them how they can know, reach out by faith and accept Jesus as Savior. God, thank you for what you're doing. As we leave today, may we be doers of what we've heard. May we invite others to come join us walk by faith with us. We love you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let me ask you a question. Will you go walk by faith? All right. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. Be respectful on the way out, if you would, please.